Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Sustainable Futures, Designing Green Communities and Buildings, a Living Architecture Monitor podcast from Green Roofs for Healthy Cities. My name is Stephen Peck, and I'm your host today, as well as the founder and president of Green Roofs for Healthy Cities, the industry association for green roofs and walls across North America. Thank you very much for joining us. Today, we're exploring some key issues regarding the future of water with Howard Newcrook, the Executive Director at the Water Center, University of Pennsylvania. Howard Newcrook, you should know, is a tireless innovator. He served as the CEO of the Philadelphia Water Department and was one of the chief architects of Green City Clean Waters, the award-winning cutting-edge multi-billion dollar 25-year plan to utilize green infrastructure to manage the city stormwater, now in about its 12th year of implementation. After leaving the Philadelphia Water Department, Howard has continued to innovate as the Executive Director of the Water Center at the University of Pennsylvania. The Water Center is a preeminent urban water policy, innovation, and science center that engages university faculty and students, regional decision makers, and national and global thought leaders in the development of integrated and innovative urban water strategies that address the biggest challenges facing urban water leaders today. These challenges are converging, leading to water-related events that threaten public and environmental health and economic prosperity. Drinking, storm, and wastewater systems, particularly those in urban settings, are most significantly impacted. This requires increasing resiliency to changing conditions while continuing to provide the vital functions of ensuring clean, safe, and affordable drinking water, storm, and wastewater services to an ever-increasing urban population, projected to represent over 70% of the world's people by 2050. Howard, it's really a delight to have you on the show and to be working closely with you and your Water Center colleagues on this year's 19th annual Cities Alive Green Roof and Wall Conference in Philadelphia, which runs from October 16th to the 19th, 2022. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, we look forward to you coming down to Philadelphia and, and having this conference and participating in it and making sure that it's a real success. It's going to be a great pleasure. I love Philadelphia, and I'm thrilled at the amazing work that you guys have been doing in that city. Howard, you've enjoyed many important leadership positions in terms of planning and managing urban water resources over the years. So congratulations, in particular on the Green Cities Clean Waters, a paradigm shifting plan for the city of Philadelphia. But before we get into Green City Clean Waters, I'm wondering if you could share with us your thoughts about water from a 10,000 or 100,000 foot level. You have called water the universal connector, for example. What do you mean by that? Well, those are two different questions. Uh, looking at water from a 10,000 foot level and universal connector, but I'll, I'll start with the universal connector piece. It's, uh, uh, everything leads to water and water leads to everything. Uh, and there are so many different ways of describing this. One of the ways that, that I like to use is uh, the fuel relationship, which is food, energy, water, and what I add to that is land with land being probably among the most important of these four pieces of how do we manage water? How do we manage how we live on land in sustainable and resilient ways? How do we become a net zero greenhouse gas 
generator and how do we become a net positive uh, electric electric power uh, system as as the entire water industry around around the globe. Uh, there are so many interconnections that that it's quite uh, it's it's quite interesting to to as you travel down these different roads. Uh, uh, Pacific Institute uh, talks about it in a different way. They talk about how it's part of energy, it's part of uh, of flooding and water quality and water quantity and land and the environment, risk and resilience, and finally, and my most most important part to me is the people and community. And how do all these things relate? And they do relate. They relate in so many different ways. Uh, you know, for example, uh, uh, working uh, working for Mayor Nutter in Philadelphia, uh, it was clear that you know he was so focused on water and loved water and loved these whole set of issues that we're dealing with. At the same time, those weren't his priorities. His priorities were jobs, education, um, uh, trash collection housing, jobs, poverty. I mean, these are all the things that mayors care about and, and rightly so. And the interesting thing about the water business is that uh, uh, we've been on the sidelines of that. We've been on the sidelines of understanding how these things are all connected and uh, and just providing a service. Our, what's our service? It's providing drinking water to the community and removing their waste. And that was the thinking of the U.S. and global water business for quite a, quite a number of years, a century at least, and has been changing since about the turn of this century. Uh, when we start looking at these things and say, "Well, they're really all connected," and that if uh, and if a water utility has a three hundred five hundred million dollar a year capital improvement program dealing with crazy things like CSOs and drinking water, source protection, whatever it may be, um, that's a lot of money, especially compared to a city's budget, a school district's budget. And you start thinking like, well, what are you gonna do with this money? How are you gonna spend it? And so uh, thinking beyond just the integrated planning of how do you connect CSOs with stormwater management and start thinking about how do you connect CSOs, stormwater management, flooding, drought, uh, whatever it may be, with improving people's lives in your, in your city? Because uh, if there's if there's no movement um, towards making a sustainable and resilient community of the people that you serve, then you do not have the funding to do what you need to do to improve the environment. So everything is interconnected. Everything is 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 managed and managed needs to be managed together. So it's a it's pretty 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 fascinating uh, road as as you start looking at uh, what are the universal connections between water and almost everything else. It seems like the so how we perceive water or how we've perceived water and how we put water management in sort of to a into a box has been one of the challenges that face. Uh, you know, utilities in North American cities and other cities around the world. And looking, I think what you're saying is looking at water more holistically and its impact on a whole range of important um, aspects of city life is one of the keys to doing things differently. Yes. And uh, that is something that's, that's relatively new in the water business and uh, is, is quickly changing, particularly with the next generation of water leaders who are coming in who are um, 
uh, if I can say a little bit more progressive perhaps than, than how we thought about water and wastewater in the past. And now we're looking at those interconnections between community and water and looking beyond just providing a service, but also being a, a community benefactor to support community, support climate change changes, uh, adaptation, mitigation, whatever it may be. There are so many different things that we can do. That's, uh, that's really uh, important. You know, that's like a paradigm shift really is what you're talking about for the industry. It absolutely is. It's uh, and uh, it started for me. It really started with the Green Cities Clean Waters Program. How do you take green infrastructure? Where uh, you know the the very base of of this concept was that um, uh, EPA was talking to us about building a ten billion dollar tunnel uh, in order to keep the sewage out of the river. And when you look at that, you say, "Wow, who's going to benefit from that?" And obviously there's a very clear benefit to the Clean Water Act, but it has very little benefit back to the community. Mm -hmm. So now you start thinking, well, maybe there's some ways of uh, doing things on the surface. Maybe there's some green roofs or rain gardens or other things that you can do to keep that water out of the sewer. So once it gets to the sewer, then it becomes a waste product. So mm -hmm. in, the best, in, the, in the best of the ideas of conservation and reuse is, uh, if you can keep the rainwater out of the sewer, then you can reuse it, you can recycle it, you can you can uh, use it for for plants and for and for so many different things. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's just a, it's just nice balance that you have there among, among what you can do with these, with water. I'm wondering, you know, given the the changing nature of um, water management in cities, how you might characterize the state of preparedness of the North American water energy uh, industry relative to the many challenges we're facing, particularly like climate change related challenges. Yes. Uh, are you, you think we're, you know, doing relatively well? Are we well on our way down this journey? Are we just starting off uh, well, as a leader? What do you think? Well, thank goodness for the money that's coming in now from the federal government. And uh, it's, unfortunately, it's not enough. And it's hard to say that in this difficult time when uh, money is so precious and, and needs to be managed very carefully. But uh, in order to solve our problems here in the U.S. or around the world, uh, it's, 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 a, it's trillions of dollars that we need in order to make this change and becoming more integrated and more holistic and, and thinking about how, how we become a more sustainable society with resilient systems, resilient cities, so that uh, uh, flooding, sea level rise, and basement backups of sewage are no longer a part of our a part of what a water industry does. So it sounds like we were on the path to uh, to implementing measures related to this new paradigm about water as being more sort of fundamental to everything, to life, to cities, how they function. But we still got a long way to go. Yes, and, uh, and and the paradigm for me is uh, when you look at the Clean Water Act and the Safe Drinking Water Act, and those are the two major elements of, of everything that a water industry has done. It's about fishable, swimmable, drinkable water, and that's all fine, and that's perfect, and we have to get there. But there's also access and uh, aesthetics and, and uh, how we move forward with the uh, providing affordable water to people, particularly people who are 
uh, perhaps uh, uh, challenged through equity over the years and challenged through environmental justice and, and other issues that are out there. How do you bring that all together? That's really uh, fascinating. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, folks. Uh, we'll be right back with Howard Newkrug, the Executive Director of the Water Center at the University of Pennsylvania, talking about the future of water. The Living Architecture Academy is an online learning platform dedicated to bringing you the best training courses, conference recordings, and more on green infrastructure, low-impact development, and sustainable design practices. For over 15 years, Green Roofs for Healthy Cities has provided professional development opportunities to over 15,000 green infrastructure industry professionals from around the world. Learn all about integrated water management with our Net Zero Water for Buildings and Sites course, or begin earning your Green Roof Professional Accreditation, all from the comfort of your home. All courses on the Living Architecture Academy are offered on demand, do not expire, and are approved for AIA, ASLA, and GRP continuing education. So you can learn at your own pace, on your own schedule, and earn CEUs. Visit livingarchitectureacademy.com and start your professional development today. Welcome back. Uh, with me today is Howard Newkrug, the Executive Director of the Water Center at the University of Pennsylvania, former CEO of the Philadelphia Water Department, which brought in uh, over 10 years ago a plan called Green Cities Clean Waters, a comprehensive plan that's now being implemented in Philadelphia. And it's calling for widespread implementation of green infrastructure or green stormwater infrastructure, as it's called in Philadelphia, as the primary means to improve surface water quality. So I'm first of all, I'd like to know what does green infrastructure mean to you, Howard, in this context? And how would you say things are going relative to the, the goals that you've set? Well, green infrastructure is very, and, and certainly Philadelphia did not invent green infrastructure. It was probably invented thousands of years ago uh, with grass uh, roofs and, and other, uh, other ways. But uh, um, we, you know, in the year 2000 or so, we, we went out, we took a trip out to the West Coast, and we saw what Seattle's doing and what Portland's doing. And uh, we looked at what, and we said, we can do that. We can do that in Philadelphia. And uh, the program is very, very much about, uh, uh, about balancing the hard gray infrastructure improvements that are needed with improving the green aspects of this. And, and by that, what I mean is, is what's really fascinating when you think about every city in the world is built at a gradient, a constant gradient and uh, from the rooftop to the backyard, to the sidewalk, to the street, everything is designed in a city to move water as quickly as possible into a sewer. And that's the problem. And how do you reverse that using uh, techniques that are, that are out there that are pretty common at this point, whether it's, a, again, green roofs or, or rain gardens, uh, there are so many different ways of preventing that stormwater from becoming a waste product. And instead of becoming a waste product, it becomes a commodity, becomes something of value. And by that simple change of how you think about rainwater changes everything. And Green Cities Clean Waters is very much built upon that concept. And it turns out that it's, uh, it's pretty expensive to keep 
order out of a sewer. <laughs> it's a, and a large part of it is because uh, the infrastructure that's been built around getting that water into the sewer um, is, is immense. So changing that flow, changing where the water goes is, is pretty, pretty incredible feat on its own. Um, uh, okay, we, we look at that and, and we go like, well, there's a balance here. A large piece of the balance will always remain with gray infrastructure. Uh, for example, in Philadelphia, there's a, uh, we're building a, uh, a bypass uh, to at our wastewater treatment plant, which is actually an extension of the plant. So we can bring more water through it as, you know, during rainstorms, big rainstorms, and have it treated at least primary treatment and have it disinfected and go out to the river in a, in a much different form than it would go through if it didn't have any treatment at all. And by balancing those, those different practices with the idea of reducing the amount of source water that gets into into the sewer in the first place, you can do it just about anything. So it's about integrating or bringing back into the, the green component as an active um, way of capturing, retaining, detaining rainfall uh, and combining that with great infrastructure, which we're going to need, you know, well, well into the future, I would imagine. It, it's very, it's very clear that, uh, that it is up to the water industry to make vast improvements to the rivers and streams that, that uh, our water is discharged to. And to do that uh, is gonna take green infrastructure plus gray infrastructure working together holistically in a way that benefits community, benefits equity, environmental justice, and also uh, improving the water quality as best we can. Uh, the, the problem is, is time is that I know this is a su successful process, but it takes time to change a city, to evolve a city, to move it from where it is today and, and how things are set up today to where you're gonna be moving it to, uh, you know, 20 years from now. And uh, there's, uh, there's lots of folks, and I don't blame them, wanna go swim in the Delaware tomorrow. And uh, the Delaware River is uh, not at the point right now, at least the part that's urbanized working harbors within the city of Philadelphia and, and Camden, it's not ready, not ready to jump in the water. And people are saying, why not? And the answer is because, well, if you give us time, if you give us 50 years, we'll get there. How long? 50. 50. 50 years. 50 years, that's a long time to ask someone to wait for time. something, Howard. And, and every time that you move that down a couple of years, you're, co you're costing the expense of, of more billions of dollars. And that's because if you set up the rules, you set up the uh, procedures, the regulations, you create a water, you create a stormwater utility, you, you create a uh, fee structure for for managing stormwater, uh, you can you can affect change as the city evolves. So you have a choice. You can do the slow walk, watching, seeing how everything evolves over time, putting in the right regulations and the right ways. And, and as as buildings come down and new buildings come up and in Philadelphia it's, and, and most of the most of the um, uh, uh, 
developed world is today is you know, there's a lot of development going on. There's a lot of building. As long as you have in place what a new building needs to do and what it needs to protect, and in Philadelphia, it's an inch and a half of, uh, of capture of the rainfall mm-hmm. or any of it gets into the sewer system, uh, it, uh, it will eventually catch up and result in positive change. And every time you want to make that happen quicker, that's okay. That's an investment of, of dollars from the public into making changes that are not, uh, are not part of the evolution, but part of the uh, revolution of how we move from, from where we are now to where we want to be. So it's a, so it's a, I'm very comfortable with the long-term perspective on where we are, where we are headed with water. And it's a question of how quickly do you want to get there? And, how much and what are you prepared to pay? It seems to to get there faster. It's all right? about it's all about time. You know, well, the very first thing is that layer of regulation and responsibility that's that we place down there. And an example in Philadelphia is uh, you know, requiring this inch and a half capture, and and seeing a lot of developments in Philadelphia that are uh, making making use of green roofs. And not just green roofs for the sake of capturing water, but also green roofs for the sake of uh, of creating a new uh, new space, sure, space for people to live and to uh, and and to enjoy. And you know, so so the more you can do that, and the less you can do building a bigger sewer, um, you know, the better off you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether you can get there fully with just green infrastructure, or whether you need to balance that with 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 gray, uh, you know, is the jury still out? My my bet is we're going to be doing quite a bit of gray infrastructure also because it's really important to get to this point where where our waters are clean, swimmable, fishable, drinkable, mm-hmm. and uh, but we're still a long way from that. So the time challenge, the challenge of being able to deliver to the public the things that they seek, like swimmable, drinkable, fishable, uh, is one of the challenges you've very clearly articulated. Are there any other sort of major challenges that stand out uh, in your mind in terms of continuing progress to implement the Green Cities Clean Waters? We're still dealing with the issues of innovation Mm -hmm. and understanding. It's it's. It's odd to say, but in a city, any city in the world, we really don't know how to take water, rainwater, and capture and reuse it. Uh, we know how to we know how to send it to the sewer, and just allowing water to infiltrate into the ground is a very comp- complex science and engineering exercise, and uh, uh, is, in my perspective, absolutely the right way we need to go because. As things continue and as things are looking so much worse now than they were even when we uh, uh, invented this program you know, 15 years ago, um, it's, it's, there's, there's a real need to make that balance, to balance natural nature, nature-focused improvements with improvements in technology and how we move forward with mm-hmm. uh, combining the two to make, make an end product. That's why we're seeing things now like, um, for example, parks that are designed as temporary 
catch basins and infiltration basins for stormwater. We're seeing a lot of that. For example, uh, you know, pervious payment technology, and we're seeing um, both retention and detention, I think, now on green roofs. A lot more people are sort of, yeah, we can retain the first inch and a half, but we can also detain and utilize or, or, or release on a controlled manner the, the next inch, inch and a half during a major storm. Um, are, are you seeing that kind of stuff happening, that innovation and that oh, um, it's, it's, creative it's, thinking? It's, it's incredible to watch it, it's particularly like when you, when you place this burden on the development community. Uh, at first, they reject this because uh, clearly they never needed to develop before in a way that managed stormwater. So they see this as, an, as a new expense. But uh, as they get into this, they realize that they can really benefit from this and that this concept of a blue-green roof not just a green roof, but a blue-green roof, which means blue for holding water back and green for slowly treating it and managing it and then sending it, uh, sending the remainder to the, you know, into a cistern for reuse or, or to the sewer. Uh, these are all things that um, make sense and also make sense for the developer. And as they see this, because, you know, we work on an economic at an economic level where um, you really need the private sector involved, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's hard to get them to the table. It's hard to keep them at the table, but once you get them there, uh, they start to see these other benefits. The first benefit we had was that uh, all of a sudden people realized, uh, developers realized that uh, uh, if they follow our stormwater regulation requirements that they be closer to having the lead certification for the building and that lead certification for their buildings were uh, uh, becoming more and more critical to being able to rent the space at the at the rate at which they want to uh, want to want to uh, rent the rent their space and uh, so as, as you move forward you see all these all these things coming together where the economics makes sense and and people want to live in a high-rise building that has space, outdoor space for a park or for walking their dog, whatever it may be. And, uh, and, and if you can figure out how to do that on a large scale, you're really gonna change things. And, and mm -hmm. uh, so in cities today, I mean, if you, you know, any city in the world you go to today, there's like construction everywhere. It's funny you say that because, you know, we found, uh, you know, from our members and uh, design community that, you know, when you implement accessible amenity roof decks, green roof decks, you know, it improves the economic uh, rents on the buildings, both in terms of sales and just rents. You know, developers can recoup the costs of the, the green roof. Um, just like they would if they added a, a gym or a pool you know, another amenity space, people are willing to pay to have quality green space in the places where they live. So, yeah, and you just have to take that concept and move it from this is innovative and unusual to this is commonplace. And one of the things I really like about what's happening in Philly is it's really becoming commonplace. Uh, and, and people are, are understanding that. And it's improving people's quality of life who live in these buildings, work in these buildings. And, uh, uh, it's also improving the environment tremendously. Uh, in 15 years from now, the city of Philadelphia, city of Camden, city of uh, Chester, you know, all the 
poorer cities that are at the low end of the uh, of the Delaware River will have 50% uh, reduction in overflow. 15 years. Brings me to my uh, next question, which is, you know, your approach that you've pioneered in Philadelphia using, you know, green stormwater infrastructure. Has it caught on in other cities? Are you seeing that kind of, you know, mainstream of, mainstreaming of it? Like how many other cities are heading down the path that you guys have blazed? I, I don't think there are any cities that are not doing it. You don't think there are any cities that are not using green stormwater infrastructure right now? As a piece of what they're trying to accomplish. Okay. And in Philly, we, you know, we started this thing with, we're going to get to 10,000 green acres. Mm, yes. A very big goal. And I'm not sure. I, I hope we're going to get there, but I'm not sure we are. But the, but the concept is, is that you're making a change in how you think about things and how you and how you go about making improvements and thinking about community as you do that. And um, uh, so you have a lot of opportunities to do these things. I think other cities are realizing that wherever they are in their CSO program, MS4 program, whatever it may be, uh, that uh, green infrastructure makes sense. Stay and with us, folks. Uh, we've got a, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Howard Newkrug, the Executive Director of the Water Center at the University of Pennsylvania and continue our discussion on the, about the future of water. Cities Alive is a multidisciplinary conference bringing together the best designers, product manufacturers, researchers, and policymakers in the field of living architecture and green infrastructure. This year, Cities Alive is back and in person, looking at green infrastructure and water in a changing climate in Philadelphia from October 16th to 19th. Heat waves and flooding are increasing in frequency and intensity, and our communities have an urgent need to adapt to the growing impacts of climate change. Join us in October to hear from influential keynotes such as Naomi Davis, founder and CEO of Blacks and Green, Howard Newkrug, Executive Director at the Water Center at Penn, and more. You can also browse the trade show floor, learn hands-on at our biophilic design workshop, or see the sights on our networking cruise on the Delaware River. So register today at citiesalive.org and come join us in the city of brotherly love. Hi, we're back with Howard Newkrug, who's the executive director of the Water Center at the University of Pennsylvania. And we're talking about the future of water and uh, learning about the paradigm shift that's taking place. Howard, you know, green infrastructure is obviously about much more than stormwater management, uh, as you've already mentioned. Though there's air quality benefits, there's the green job component, there's reductions in the urban air temperatures or the urban heat island effect. There are also recreational benefits for building owners on with things like accessible green roofs and so forth. I'm wondering in terms of like the political side of the equation, how have these additional benefits played out in the broader community throughout Philadelphia? Is that part of the sort of natural evolution of the work that's being done to implement green stormwater infrastructure? It's, uh, it's fascinating to me to see how the very first thing that we needed, we needed to change was how um, the utility and the people who work in the utility, the engineers who are doing the work day, day in and day out, how they shift their thoughts into a more green, sustainable fashion. 
and uh, and it's, it is successful. They you know the people are getting it. People understand what's going on, and um, you know then moving it into the into the mayor's office is pretty is the next big step. Uh, the mayors of uh, Philadelphia, from my mayor to the current mayor, and probably I'm cer pretty certain to the next mayor, really gets that integration of the water systems with the urban systems. And that becomes very important and very critical to making a positive future. Um, where you go from there is uh, uh, anybody's guess, but uh, I think we're in a good, good, we're sitting in a good spot and that things are going to just get better and better as we move along. Uh, you know, a large part of this is dealing with uh, who's going to run the utilities five years from now, 10 years from now. Are they going to be engineers who have the same kind of thought process as engineers had 50 years ago? Or are they going to be progressive young uh, women and people of color who have a bigger idea of what society needs and what the water utility can do to support the region while providing better quality water and better quality uh, uh, more access to our rivers and rivers and streams, so we're you know we're balancing all these things at this point and uh, uh, looking forward to it. And a large part of what we're doing at the water center is very much about the next generation of water leaders and who they are and how do we you know how do we get them into into the primary spot where, where they can be leaders, the future leaders of our industry. Um, and to me, that's that's probably and that and that's you know, uh, the bottom line, that's that's why I'm at the University of Pennsylvania. That's why I started a water center there is, uh, you know, I got 40 years of experience in the water business and uh, uh, I want to mentor and create additional excitement about our business, about our industry and, and how we can uh, really change the world. And you can look in almost any part of, of what we do and you can see these young people who are really interested in making these changes. And the question is, is what do they need to, in order to move up? That's, uh, that's a fantastic um, approach because, you know, the, the way organizations often deal with things is a function of their corporate culture. And, and it often we, it's, it's sort of the, in the background all the time. But it's so tremendously important if they're all, uh, you know, great infrastructure oriented, um, you know, we have to measure everything down to the last, you know, quarter gallon, you know, that type of thing. If they have that type of approach, then they, they we've often seen that sort of a disdain uh, expressed for green infrastructure solutions by those people. And, 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 you know, they have a point, they have a, they have a perspective. And it's a, it's a reasonable perspective to have, but it's not a sustainable, resilient perspective given where we are with our economy, where we are with uh, climate change and, uh, and where we are with, with everything else in, in, that we're dealing with in our lives today is, uh, uh, requires people, requires organizations, requires bureaucracies to figure out how you do things better and in more uh, compliance with what people actually want. And this goes down to a block level, to a street level, to a community level, 
uh, to a person-to-person level. This is uh, this is hard stuff. Um, yeah. People, people want different things. People don't know what they want. They don't know what they need. They don't know, and and you need to work with them because that's you know where you're going to put the rain garden. You're going to put the rain garden in front of the person's house who believes in rain gardens. But reality is, is how do you how do you expand that into a much bigger expanse of 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 area and 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 people? And I think we're we're getting there here in Philadelphia. And I think that uh, that the same kind of influence is happening elsewhere in the country. You know, Howard, you're you're an incredibly impressive individual um, and very positive. And I'm I'm very happy to hear about your. Um, efforts at the Water Center to, you know, prepare the next generation of decision makers. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, what do you, I mean, there's so much here. I mean, I'm just wondering, can you express maybe some of your top research priorities? Because one of your big things at the Water Center is research. And we we do a lot of research as well uh, with a whole bunch of partners across the country and across North America. What are your top priorities for the Water Center right now? What's sort of the pressing the most pressing stuff you're working on? Well, the types of things we're working on, is we, we just developed a stormwater management plan for the city of Pittsburgh. And what's special about that is that it was an equity-based stormwater management plan, looking at how do you take the fact that in Pittsburgh is an interesting city because it's got CSOs, it's got MS4s um, systems, and it's got uh, it's got a lot of different things going on around the city, and within the city, the biggest issue out there among uh, among the people in, in Pittsburgh is uh, is flooding, and the flooding is oftentimes, most of the time, well, very often, happening in the uh, in the poorer, less advantaged neighborhoods. Uh, we look back in history and go, why is that? How did that actually happen? But if you just take it, take it for face value right now, when you take an equity map and you put it over a uh, a flooding complaint map, you realize that uh, you know these are these are one and the same. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? How do you prioritize as a, as a mayor, as a, as a utility leader, uh, flooding? and sewage overflows. And how do you prioritize it in one neighborhood versus another neighborhood? And a lot of that comes down to these issues of equity and fairness and how do you, how do you move things forward looking towards a future where everything is, uh, is, is much more calm, safe, and people, all people can feel comfortable that they live in a house that's not gonna flood. And how do you do that? I would wonder, I mean, one of the questions that we've been struggling with and we'll be addressing at the city's live conference, social equity, the, the other part of it is the gentrification issue. You know, once you, once you implement, you know, uh, the High Line in New York, for example, you know, and on the Eastern side of Manhattan, you know, a lot of the poor people have had to leave that neighborhood as property values have risen as a result. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, maybe the, flip side of the coin when when implementing green infrastructure have you got any have you addressed that were you able to address that in pittsburgh um, um it's a diff, it's a very difficult question obviously um uh, i do not um, personally look at uh, what you know what we're doing needs to be focused on 
helping community community that's there and community to stay. There's a whole bunch of social economic issues that are involved with that. Um, I don't I don't suggest that we have solved those problems yet. Uh, I don't know how you make a neighborhood more attractive, um, and and property values go up while you're trying to keep people there. But uh, it's a it's a difficult question and uh, one that is still out, out there to be answered. Uh, at the same time, you know, what's the, what's, what else do you do? Do you allow for a, um, uh, a stream that is polluted and you can't, you can't touch the water in the stream because it's an urban creek and it's got pollution in it um, and it's got no trails, it's got no access. Uh, do you just leave it there? Because if you change it, you're going to change the property values and change who's living there. I think there's I think there's another part to this that needs to be added about uh, working with community and making sure that community is safe and that people who have lived in a house for many many years has the opportunity to stay there. Naomi Davis uh, is one of our keynote speakers. Uh, she's the um executive director of Blacks and Green from Chicago. And she'll be, she'll be addressing, I hope, some of those issues in her talk uh, on, um, uh, I think she's on the 18th, she's yeah. speaking, uh, because uh, that's one of the themes that we're going to be covering at uh, Cities Alive this year is the, the issue of social equity and the various aspects of it as it pertains to green infrastructure, stormwater infrastructure yeah, management. Nothing more important. I mean, there, you know, in this day and age, Looking around uh, this, uh, the U.S. cities, and uh, I'm sure I can include Canada and elsewhere in the world in this, uh, there are a lot of people in need, and there's a lot of injustice in, that has come about through centuries, and um, how you address that in a way that doesn't create social issues into the future uh, and provides everyone with a better you know, a better quality of life is uh, is is critical. Uh, those are those are really when you really come down to it, that's the issue that we have in front of us, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's assuming that we're successful with the screen infrastructure business. This whole concept of what we're trying to do, which is to make improvements in communities and make those improvements in a way that that stabilizes and continues the people who had lived there for fifty years that their children and grandchildren will live there also. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the economics behind that and the policies behind that are much bigger than me, but it's, you know, it is, you know, it is that million dollar question out there of how we do that and how we make all people, uh, give them an all equitable chance to move forward and to, and to enjoy where they live and to be able to provide their house to their children and their grandchildren, so that there's a there's a homestead, and there's a place that people and and they and they should have a, they should have a pretty creek next to them instead of a polluted creek. And how do you balance that? I, I is still a question that's out there. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question, but it, it takes us to the end point here, which is, uh, um, can we be that successful? Can we change that urban creek and make it fishable, swimmable, drinkable? and make it so attractive that's one whole set of issues out there that's a and if you accept that we we can do that and we've done it then what do we do about community 
and how do you, you know, how do you keep community there? How do you even get community interested? When someone's looking for a job, people are worried about being shot, people are worried about whatever it may be. And you say, la di da, water, water, water. Um, how do you get them interested in that? And how do you bring that together uh, to create a future environment that is uh, protective and safe and clean, accessible and uh, enjoyable to the people who live there, who hopefully are the people who've lived there for, for some time? Mm -hmm. These will be questions, Howard, that I'm hoping that we can have some very uh, constructive collective dialogue about uh, at Cities Alive. And um, we're, you know, we're still looking for, you know, successful models of this. And, and it's clearly the solutions, I think, as you point out, lie beyond, you know, the, uh, the realm of the, the public water utility. Um, you know, there's, there's other, there are other important um, public policy issues here that have to be addressed around simple issues like home ownership, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, as one critical uh, piece of the, of the puzzle. Um, Howard, uh, just wondering um, how, what's the future hold for you? Um, you've been a pioneer for so long. You've got this water center up and running and doing a lot of great work. What, what's, uh, what's getting you up in the morning? What are you amped, up, amped about? It's it's really the next generation water leaders. It's really it's really about um, uh, taking people who may not have realized that there was a water profession out there, and uh, exposing them to it, and finding them to uh, be successful and move into this uh, into this arena. Uh, we I just lost uh, from my staff uh, this young woman who uh, who I met. She was uh, one of my one of my students about five years ago uh, in one of my master's classes. And um, uh, I brought her into the water center and uh, uh, she just, it's just so prospered over these five years in terms of what she's known and how she works with uh, utility leaders around the country. Because a lot of what she's been doing is, is uh, working with uh, CEOs and CFOs of small, medium-sized utilities and helping them with peer-to-peer help to support industry uh, the water industry from moving moving forward, and um, so she uh, she's just left us for a much better job at the U.S. Water Alliance, and uh, it's it's but it's all it's all like all part of the same family, and it's really great to see these people just advance and recognize that you know what. And I, you know, I work on a longer time scale than most people, uh, even though I'm older than most people. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's, it's going to take a while, but if we, if we find these people and we support them and we educate them and teach them how to be leaders and teach them how to, how to go out and find their cohorts and, and work together, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for these people to become the next generation of leaders of the water industry. And as that happens more and more, and as it uh, as these people infiltrate all the professional organizations, and as well as their own utilities, uh, uh, I think we have a very bright future. Thank you, Howard. Really appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you. Howard Newkrug will be delivering a keynote address on October 17th at Cities Alive, the homecoming 2022. Our focus of that conference is green infrastructure and water in an era of climate change. And we're gonna be looking at social equity issues as well. 
For more information, please visit www.greenroofs.org. Thank you again, Howard, for your time, for your leadership, for your passion. And we look forward to visiting your wonderful city of Philadelphia in the fall. Look forward to seeing you. Take care. Bye. Bye.